Welcome back to Downtown Cleveland's podcast, Then There's Cleveland, where we'll discuss downtown Cleveland's success, challenges, and future opportunities for growth. Currently, downtown Cleveland is experiencing rapid residential growth with a 79% population increase over the past 10 years. Not only are we the fastest growing neighborhood in Northeast Ohio, but we're the largest downtown in the state of Ohio. As we continue to grow, we ask ourselves, are we growing in the right ways? Are we being intentional about inclusivity as a city that welcomes and appreciates diversity? Is our leadership supportive of social equity? In this second episode, we're posing the question, is our city inclusive or exclusive? Are we innovators or stagnant in our approach? We've got two Cleveland champions who will share their expertise and experiences on subjects of diversity and inclusion, what sets Cleveland apart from other major cities and ways we can do better. As the youngest member of Cleveland City Council, Councilman Carrie McCormick speaks with us about perspective on cultivating the next generation of leadership in our city. You know, um, the the passion that Clevelanders have for our city, that is something that really was highlighted to me when I moved home, and I think it took me to leave Cleveland to see that. Executive Director of Cleveland's LGBT Community Center, Phyllis Harris, talks to us about her experience as a boomeranger and her ideas on how diversity and inclusion will attract and retain the best talent in our city. And I always think about it from the pers- my perspective, right? Like I, I'm a mom, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a black woman living in Cleveland. I want an integrated, culturally rich, expansive experience. Well, welcome back to Downtown Cleveland's podcast, Then There's Cleveland. I'm Michael Deemer, Executive Vice President for Business Development at Downtown Cleveland Alliance. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to attracting more people, jobs, and investment into downtown Cleveland and making it the most dynamic place to live, work, and play in Northeast Ohio. I am Lauren Napakny, and I work in marketing. I'm the marketing coordinator, and I work on projects like this. We're here with Carrie McCormick, City of Cleveland Councilman, who represents Ward 3. We've worked with Carrie for a number of years. Can you tell us just a little bit about your, your background? Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be on with the folks from DCA as well as with Seven. And by the way, congratulations on your beautiful new center there on Detroit Road. So I represent downtown Ohio City, Tremont, and a part of the Stockyards neighborhood. I grew up on Cleveland's northeast side in the North Collinwood neighborhood. Went down to uh, Miami University, uh, did a degree in international development, Spanish and Latin American studies. Then went over to uh, Madrid, Spain, and I taught first and second grade English in the public schools in Madrid. Came home, I worked for a uh, Senate campaign in Ohio for Sherrod Brown and then worked in um, community-based organizing before joining uh, council. And then we're also joined by Phyllis Seven Harris, the executive director of the LGBT Community Center. I've gotten to know Seven fairly well uh, over the course of the last year. We both participated in a a leadership program here in Cleveland, and I'm just delighted to have her join us today. Seven, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Phyllis Seven Harris. My friends call me Seven. I am born and raised here in Cleveland. I like to describe myself as, you know, I started at Head Start and, you know, all the way through Case, and I'm and I'm not done learning yet. And so I live um, in Larchmere. Shout out to the LOLs, the Lesbians of Larchmere. We're building community over there. And you can be a Lola. Remember, the Lesbians of Larchmere allies. 
Yeah, nice. Lola. I also work in Gordon Square and um, Detroit Shoreway. I am a nonprofit practitioner. And so, you know, I feel like I am Cleveland. I, well, to get us started, I guess I'd like to turn to our, our downtown councilman first, Kerry McCormick, some of your perspectives on where we've been and in terms of diversity and inclusion and you know, kind of where you think we are today. So I represent downtown Ohio City, Tremont, and a part of the Stockyards neighborhood on council. So it's a very diverse ward. And I think it's what's really important, if I may, when talking about these issues is that we do understand the past. Because when we think about these, the good and the bad of what we face in the city today, it's important to understand the history. And especially around diversity and inclusion, we know that in the city of Cleveland, um, in the long past, but also, you know, within the last 10 years, we have suffered from issues of societal racism. We have suffered from issues of discrimination um, based on gender identity and expression. We've suffered, like many other cities, in, in the country on these issues. We know that how do we move forward and how do we put forth intentional plans to correct some of those issues, it's important that we understand that these things don't just happen. They're intentional. These problems that have come on have been caused by uh, intentional human action. And I think that that's really important to understand in the context when we talk about the future of Cleveland so that we ensure that things like that never happen again in addition to putting forth plans to improve our community. Let's get down to the actual definition or your definition of diversity. This is a question for both of you. People listening, they think diversity is just black and white when there's so many different aspects to it. Give us your definition and give us your definition of how you think it should be in the future. When I think of diversity, encyclopedia or a dictionary definition doesn't come up. What comes up for me is that we all, you know, carry diverse aspects of who we are in terms of our identities, it is not just about race. And, and I understand that Well, my definition of diversity is taking time to be intentional about the ways in which we are different and, and we might separate, but that when we are together, we have more power. And so that that could be um, looking at, um, you know, men and women and people who are straight and, you know, like everything. I think it's, um, it's an overused word. It's a misunderstood word. It's a personal word. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, we, we see this move, movement more around the conversation um, not being about diversity, but being about inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something to this, the title of this podcast. Is it inclusive or exclusive? Three of the big issue areas that, that, that we think of in downtown Cleveland in terms of wanting the city to be a very welcoming and, and inclusive place, Phyllis, as, as you laid it out, racial equity. LGBTQ equality and immigration are three areas that, you know, we know that in order to be successful as a city, downtown Cleveland has to be on on the, the leading edge of being a, a very welcoming place and being seen as a place that's uh, inclusive on those issues in particular, but as well on, 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 all, on all the issues. Uh, we've got a long history of um, redlining and uh, institutional racism and, and uh uh, segregated neighborhoods, and yet, you know, I I sense that you know we're we're at a moment in the the city's history where it it feels in some ways like we're 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 turning a bit of a corner. You know, as as I talk to the leaders in the, in the the business community, there's more of an embrace of the recognition of the past and its influence on the present, and the need to achieve greater racial equity in order to be economically competitive. And I'm curious from both of your perspectives, 
whether you're perceiving something similar or, or different or how you see it. First of all, on the, on the question of the definition of diversity, I am not going to try to match Seven's uh, <laughs> definition. But I think one of the most important things is that we all understand that we live within a society where societal structures do not treat all people equally. Being aware of that and having that scope on when you st- walk through life and understanding how do you fit into that equation. And so take myself, for example, um, you know, as a, as a white man, I am going to have experiences in life and society that are different than a person of color, for example. And so it's important to understand that lens and to use that lens to really educate yourself first and foremost, but also to think in ways when you're making decisions that are are equitable and are taking into consideration the fact that people have different lived experiences based off of the way society is structured. So that's a lot, that's wordy. But the point is, is that when we think of and I think in, in one other step on that is also understanding the fact that understanding when to lead and speak and understanding when to sit and listen. And I think this is also a really important dynamic. So if we can be better listeners and if we can understand other people's experiences and scope, I think that's a huge part of the battle. Wow. How do the you uh, put has up with spoken. that? <laughs> the councilman has spoken. I think yes. You know, people are becoming conscious to to the issues. We we're we're a city that's under a consent decree. So there's work that's happening. And I think you know, like while this didn't happen overnight, it's going to take some being really intentional and and doing exactly what um, Councilman McCormick is saying around listening to folks. The center has been in existence. You know, I tell people we're going to be celebrating 45 years next year. And so if you're Cleveland, there, be proud that we have had a city that could establish and maintain an LGBT center for that long. We're the fifth established LGBT center in the nation. I, you know, like I used to say all the time, you know, you can find everything in Cleveland, right? You can you can find everyone in Cleveland. Our issue is, is how segregated we are, right? Mm-hmm. We might come together around, um, I, this is why I love going to Edgewater. At Edgewater, you see Everybody and everybody's there for that beautiful sunset and the and the air and the water, you know, and and really to enjoy themselves. How do we do that in a way that we are not leaving? And how do we grow and we shine as Cleveland with our meds and our eds and our arts and our parks and our eats? Right, we got it all. Right, <laughs> we got it all. We have the Metroplex. How do we do that and shine in that way and not leave out the folks who live on Buckeye and the folks who you know live near where I live in large mirror um, on Wood Hill and Woodland and, you know, in those areas. And so I think I'm hearing that the moral imperative didn't work, right? So we're we're moving toward still working on that, but also the business imperative around, you know, economic growth and, and Cleveland being strong and strengthening, um, you know, being, being a player right? <laughs> that we can absolutely turn it around. Um, and there's some things that we're doing, including, you know, uh, we don't, we, I don't want to necessarily talk baseball, but including and in, in confronting it. that, you know? Yeah. Hearing Phyllis talk, I I mean, I always get a heart on myself. I always forget to mention that, you know, we have so much good stuff going on and we do, whether you look at downtown and the neighborhoods that, you know, Seven just mentioned, what I'm excited about and the, the previous issues that I identified is that we're also taking the systemic problems seriously. Finally. And yeah, finally, right? Yeah. We are excited about that at the same time we're taking our, you know, our, our, our um, issues at their roots seriously and, and starting to attack them. So I think that that's really good news for the long-term sustainability of Cleveland. By the way, we do have listeners outside of Cleveland and outside of Northeast Ohio. And and for those of you 
We've heard Edgewater mentioned a couple times and aren't sure what it is. It is our beautiful, beautiful city of Cleveland Beach right on the shores of Lake Erie. We're talking about some pretty weighty topics today, but you know, let's step back and appreciate we've got a great beach in Cleveland too. Right on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And I want to talk about, uh, Phyllis, the new LGBT community center in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. What is the significance of having something new in a neighborhood that, you know, kind of have seen, has seen some blight, have seen, you know, things closing around it, right. uh, or even new resources coming around the city? What is the significance of that coming to our city? The center will be celebrating 45 years next year. And I feel like we were trailblazers, right? But we were in the basement. So if you um, didn't know to really look at our address and find it on our storefront, you missed us. You you zip right by. And most people did the first time they came to the center. Now, you know, we have established ourselves as an anchor organization in the Gordon Square Arts District. I heard somebody said that or say it. I didn't make it up. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. We are a community center. I think it's a super significant. And even though that this project went over time, that we had our open house and grand opening in the year of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, right? Mm. And so, and the fact that, you know, we are doing that in a way that is so visible during these times when we are seeing some of the um, progress that we've made in terms of LGBTQ rights and uh, and protections being challenged, and you know, so so heavily, you know, under this the current administration. And so it was of huge significance, I think, in, in terms of of the, the visibility for the LGBTQ community in Cleveland and in the region, Cleveland, Akron, everywhere that, you know, this is, a, this is our center. And certainly in terms of what the opportunity is around the economic development, the impact that the center and other, um, and, and the folks who, who, who support the center and our community can have in Cleveland. My attention came to it around the gay games when the gay games were, was here in Cleveland in 2014. A bunch of amazing people got together. It wasn't easy, but it was amazing, right? Downtown Cleveland Alliance is a nonprofit economic development organization working to encourage new investment, attract professional talent, and support business in downtown Cleveland. Find out how to start here, work here, and grow here at downtowncleveland.com for more resources. Remind us a little bit about the 2014 Gay Games and what a what a big deal that was for the city of Cleveland. The Gay Games was just like the Olympics, you know, happens every four years. And so Cleveland acquired the privilege and um, it was very a, a very competitive process for the Gay Games to happen here in Cleveland. And so we call it GG9, Gay Games 9. Super significant in terms of the impact on the city around bringing together both LGBTQ leadership and our allies to work to present Cleveland in a way that we know to show to highlight Cleveland, to showcase Cleveland, to showcase the fact that we, we'd be willing to gather and to support and lift up Cleveland and to participate fully. We were able to do that. Inclusion was super important around this process. There was all sorts of collaborative partnerships that was, it was required in order to participate fully in the gay games. And it had a great impact on both the LGBTQ community and Akron and Cleveland, but it also, you know, for Cleveland, when, when people um, look at history, when they Google L Cleveland, if they're if they're LGBT, information is going to come up about the gay games. Some information is going to come up about the center, and so I think it really um, allowed us to shine and showcase Cleveland in a way that it hadn't been before. We are the first gay games that 
that made a profit. Because of the support that we had from, you know, the Cleveland Foundation as a as a lead sponsor and, and um, um, the Gunn Foundation who um, gave us support around allowing for people to have scholarships to, to waive the fees so that they could participate and all the other individuals who um, invested in it, we were able to establish a fund at the Cleveland Foundation that now we can continue to use for organizations, whether they're LGBT-led or if they um, are allies, if they're serving the LGBTQ community can tap into. And so there's a lot that came that really came out of that around being more collaborative. It allowed us to build relationships with the city of Cleveland. It also seemed to me in hosting the gay game so successfully that it represented a not necessarily a turning point for Cleveland, but more of an acceleration point. You mentioned even I was surprised to hear that the LGBT Center has been around for 45 years. That's amazing. And you so, you know, powerfully rooted what you've done in the neighborhood in mm-hmm. the history of Stonewall. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the, uh, of, of, the, of the river that really catalyzed the environmental movement. We celebrated the 50th anniversary of electing the country's first African-American mayor of a, of a big mm-hmm. American city. All those issues are still resonating today, but I always find it so powerful to, to root, you know, today's progress in those movements of the past. As people are talking about some of the the great things that have happened in Cleveland in terms of development, um, that they include the center. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in rooms where where they talk about you know the the, the Cleveland has hosted the senior games, Cleveland has hosted the um, RNC, the gay games is right in there, you know, like and they skip over it. So I'm so happy to be yeah, here no, I, and, I, I, and have this come up because, and, you know, there's information better than what I could recite or remember. I remember the exhilaration of it <laughs> more than anything else and the, and the feeling like, yeah, this is my town, this is my Cleveland and we're representing. But you can get the data, you can get the, the details about the, the numbers of numbers of people here and the economic impact that it had on our city. And when and we talk about Cleveland's pride, please include the gay games. And I think too, if if I may, you know, you think about Cleveland is 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 a welcoming place to folks and and that are coming to visit. I mean, and I think about how you know we we welcome the gay games, and then shortly after we welcome the Republican National Convention, and we're part of that, right? So I mean, we see people, even folks that we might disagree with, as our guests, and I think we do that well. Diversity and inclusion um, tracks right along with the growth and well-being of a city. So, for the first time in history, Cleveland had a one hundred percent on the Human Rights Campaign Municipal Quality Index. Uh, we were proud to put the stake in the ground as the first Ohio historic marker for the LGBT civil rights movement on 29th in church. So the momentum of really building off of some of these catalytic events, there's been a lot of great um, moments when we've been able to say that our doors are open and we're going to prove it by making sure that our city government is doing what it should be doing, making sure that we have a LGBT liaison in the police department to the mayor, you know, and beyond. So, of course, again, we've got more work to do, but it's been great to see Cleveland come together, understanding the importance of, of diversity and inclusion for our residents, our citizens, their well-being, but also for the growth of the city. Yeah, more work to do. People always talk about, you know, you've spent, both of you have spent some time away from Cleveland, and you've experienced other cities, other big cities. Phyllis, you mentioned the West Coast, Cary, Spain, and other cities you guys have both, you know, been to uh, either for work or leisure. What experiences from other cities have you brought here? And what do you think other cities, I mean, can kind of emulate from Cleveland? 
you know, my my, my story is, is so brief and, and so personal. Um, I, I only lived, uh, I lived in San Francisco, right, right in the city for a year. Mm-hmm. And that was a long time ago. I was um, in my 20s. And so it was 92, 93. All my friends are moving to the Bay Area. And so I, I thought, I go, well, I'm going to try it. And I get there and I get a job at Walgreens right on Castro Street, 18th and Castro mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And so what, you know, working at a pharmacy during that time uh, around um, the, uh, the height of the HIV, uh, AIDS, HIV epidemic, I learned compassion for people. Mm-hmm. I, learned, I learned to um, see people who were spending hundreds of dollars on, you know, on drugs that may or may not work and um, having to write a check for it and um, show me their license because they, um, that's required when you write a check and see them and see the difference between, you know, how, how they look standing before me and how they looked in that picture and to not move my gaze but Mm -hmm. to to keep it and to when they handed me their money to not you know put the change on the counter but to let their hand touch mine Mm -hmm. so you know I I learned to by by watching reactions and, and things like that and I was so really interested in in supporting education around you know HIV and staying safe what I learned there in terms of community I think I already had in me around service, around caring and compassion. I think I already had in me, but I was able to to um, there was some there was so much we were they were so much further advanced in the conversation around it. And we have the task force here doing the work, but I was able to come back here and uh, really um, helped me to establish my myself as an activist, as someone who cares about working for organizations with socially charged missions and things like that. So it's not it's not that I learned so much there. There, and in terms of how they operate, that would support uh, the economic development there here. But I learned to love Cleveland. <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. learned to open up to Cleveland and and think about the different neighborhoods. And that's been an, an ongoing going journey. And I'll be fifty four, but I, you know, I love I love the city, and I think that. Um, you know, I I bring a perspective that sometimes has been overlooked. What I learned is, you know, the the power that I had to affect change and bring it back here and say, where you know, I can do this. Don't forget building leaders like me. Don't forget including people like me. We're here. Don't sleep on us. Yeah, I, I, I can't beat that. <laughs> but look, I'll say that when I moved to Europe, I lived in Madrid for a little over two years and I did have my own personal journey there, you know, as a as a gay man, you know, I I, I think it was my time abroad and disconnected, um, mostly from my family, but not to reflect on my family. They're incredibly supportive. But sometimes in your own personal journey, you just got to take your own time. And I think that kind of did help me build out who I am and who I always was and uh, gave me that confidence. So on a personal note, uh, coming back to Cleveland with that, I think I had a clearer head of who who I am and who where I was going. Um, but I think too on um specifically to, to cities, look, I, you know, had the opportunity to see a lot of different places. And, you know, because we had no money, my friends and I, we would do it on the cheap. We would stay in a 12 per bed, you know, bed hostel and we would walk all around cities and we would eat street food. And, you know, what that did for me is really a couple things. Number one, it emphasized when I came home to Cleveland, the amenities that we have all under one roof here in this city that a lot of other cities don't have. Um, and how we as Clevelanders, we don't know that we have them a lot of times. So, you know, whether it is our 
historic neighborhoods, our history, our two waterfronts, our uh, arts, culture, our connectivity, our relative affordability, you know, um, the the passion that Clevelanders have for our city, that is something that really was highlighted to me when I moved home. And I think it took me to leave Cleveland to see that. Mm -hmm. Not only did I see that potential as a good thing, but I saw that potential as a challenge. So for example, how do we leverage the potential in this city to really realize our dreams and our full potential? and doing so in a way that brings everybody up too. So how do we look at our public spaces differently? How do we create more opportunities for people-scale development in our city? Things like pocket parks and bike lanes and places that are open and, and um, you know healthy and people are going to want to spend time and that's going to help our downtown. You know, we um, recently introduced and, and passed shared mobility device legislation to ensure that we could welcome things like scooters and e-bikes onto our streets. And right now we're taking a look at how do we create an environment that also moves away from such an auto-centric town, right? So how do we create better infrastructure for bikes and other users on the road? How do we create a more ADA-accessible Cleveland, right? So mm-hmm. these these conversations of how to make a more people-friendly, livable city will take Cleveland from a place where we're proud of our progress to a city that's really future-oriented and can sustainably grow, linking all of our kids, matching them with the existing potential and opportunity in our city to grow, making Cleveland a more people-friendly place with infrastructure and parks. Again, not to poo-poo the great stuff that's happened. We've had amazing investment in public square and different parks throughout the city. The conversation around shared mobility and you know, uh, multi uh, complete streets has really picked up. So there's been a lot of progress. We got to make sure though that we are continuing to push Cleveland into the future to ensure that we are equitable, that we are a friendly place for people, scale development and experience. And here's the thing: I think if we do that, if we really create excellent multimodal infrastructure and opportunities, if we really intentionally dig in and connect our kids to opportunities, that is going to be long-term growth and sustainability for our city um, that can really complement some of the good things that have already happened. One of the things we don't talk a whole lot about in, in Cleveland is some of the things you were just beginning to touch on. Walkable, transit-oriented neighborhoods and communities as issues of equity in making sure that people have access to jobs, to housing, and that, that walkable transit-connected neighborhoods are virtues in that regard. Seven and I had a chance uh, earlier this year, we were in a, a leadership program together to, to vi- visit Minneapolis-St. Paul, and one of the things that struck me about those cities is the extent to which they're, they're really doubling down on building more walkable, transit-oriented neighborhoods as an issue of equity and inclusion. And Carrie, I hear a few people in Cleveland talking like you, but probably not enough. And and so I'm obviously interested in your perspective in, in seven. You know, people I live li- in Larchmere and I walk to Saturday mornings to a market. You, 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 know? you, you live in one and of the, the most walkable, and- you live in one of the most walkable transit connected uh, neighborhoods in the city of Cleveland. Uh, the LGBT center folks uh, who aren't from Cleveland may not know is in one of the most transit connected walkable neighborhoods mm-hmm. uh, in the entire city. So I'm really interested in, in both of your perspectives on, you know, how we can do a better job at downtown Cleveland Alliance and how we can do a better job as a city of raising up these issues of walkable transit oriented development as a way to advance equity. One of the, the 
the ways in which we were intentional about the center being in, in where it is in Gordon Square on Detroit Avenue is that we had kids who were coming from all, all over, as far out as um, Mayfield Heights. And what we figured out is that, you know, they could if they could get a bus to downtown, to Public Square, they could catch the 26 and it would bring them right here. And so we didn't want to go any further west because, you know, we had a someone who, who was supporting um, the construction of this facility who literally asked because they kind of, if we move any further west from downtown, people are going to have to go these many more bus stops. And so that's how intentional we were about it being in a place where people could get to us, where there was some accessibility. I've sensed, you know, as, a, as an adult and a parent in a co-parenting um, situation with my former partner, we both moved to Larchmere so that we the kids could walk to back and forth to, to each house. We moved one street over from each other. We knew that there was Shaker Square right there where there's a movie theater and a, and a, and, and a drugstore and um, Dave's Supermarket and, you know, there's some fancy restaurants when we wanted to feel fancy, you know, whatever. And, and it began to see the development of uh, more retail and, and not, you know, fewer antique shops, but more retail and, uh, and restaurants in Larchmere. And that has really it helped to open my eyes to, yeah, you know, I want to live in a, a city that I can get to places pretty easily. I want to build community in these cities. I want to invest my, you know, as a professional, as a nonprofit practitioner, and I want to, you know, take, you know, you know, the, the little bit of money that I make, and I want to invest it right there in Larchmere. I think, I think we have to think about it like that. And I always think about it from the pers- my perspective, right? Like, I, I'm a mom, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a woman, um, I'm a black woman living in Cleveland. I want an integrated, culturally rich, expansive experience. And I want to take any money, time, you know, um, that I might volunteer, which is money and money that I have in terms of my disposable income, um, where I buy, where I rent. And I think we shouldn't be missed. I, I keep saying that about, you know, like, um, this is why it's, it's cool to be even included in this conversation. When it comes to walkable, transit-connected cities, the city of Cleveland has work to do, for sure, and we're, we're kind of jumping into that, right, with some of the conversations around complete green streets and shared mobility and ADA accessibility and those types of things. Um, and that's something I'm passionate about, too. You know, I grew up pushing my little brother um, in a wheelchair his whole life. Um, he was born um, both cognitively and physically disabled, so and shared a bed with him, bedroom with him for 18 years. So this is a personal issue to me, which is why I will not sign off on any patio that obstructs with more than five-foot clearance of a, of a you know, ADA ramp. I will, you know, there's things like that that have been built into my mind that I, I make my decisions off of, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But we also have to get real about some other stuff here. Right now, there is a challenge out there for a million dollars to figure out how to move employees to jobs. And, like, this is fundamentally the wrong conversation to have. Stop putting jobs in Solon and then complaining when you can't get employees there. Amen, brother. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this like it is, right? Like, you made that choice. Michael is jumping up and down right now. Look, here's what I'm trying to say. Like, you made that choice, and now you want civic groups in Cleveland to pay for vans to come take employees to your property. We need to be locating jobs closer to our urban core where people can access them on a bike, on a bus, maybe walking from their home. I mean, this is exactly where our focus needs to be, not in spending a million dollars to figure out ways to ship people who live closer to the urban core out to the exurbs. We don't need to be um, subsidizing RTA. And look, I I sympathize if folks need to get their job, they need to get their job. But as a part of the larger conversation, figuring out how do we get RTA 45 minutes outside of the city 
to a job location. That's the wrong conversation. The conversation should be, how do we invest in places where people can access jobs, whether it's on foot, on bike, uh, on bus, or otherwise? So I just wanted to put that out there. And really, I, I would wish that the civic conversation would focus more on that. I'm on the I'm on your bandwagon. Yeah. On that. <laughs> so the other I mean the other thing I would say too is that you know anytime we think about all these issues they're they're multi-layered. We have to make a strong statement here in Cleveland and across the state of Ohio that the fact that the state of Ohio is spending 60 some cents per capita on public transportation versus 90 some dollars in Pennsylvania per capita on public transportation is fundamentally unacceptable. The state of Ohio needs to do a much better job not only understanding that public transportation is an equity issue, but that it's an economic development issue. We've got to get real in the state of Ohio that we have to fundamentally shift our resources to ensuring that people have equitable access to public transportation, not only for the well-being of our community members, but also to ensure that we continue to grow. So this is a multi-layered discussion, but yes, it's incredibly important um, for our city to connect people, but also for the growth that we are embracing public transportation, that we are creating job opportunities closer to our urban core, and that we're really embracing the diversity of our community and really ensuring that we have walkable, connected communities that's good for people and that's good for jobs. Well, my goodness, believe it or not, what a conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd like, I'd like to keep this part of the conversation going because Lauren's right. I am jumping up and down. Uh, I, 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 uh, you're not out of breath. That was a while ago. So you're <laughs> fine. We really appreciate having both of you sharing so much time with us. Yeah, this uh, was a real, like, raw, authentic conversation that we had. Not that we didn't have that in the last podcast, but. This was, you know, I I hope it would open up some different perspectives for some people. It's going to be, you know, they might be fighting with themselves and saying like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Listen to the podcast again. Carrie and Phyllis nailed it, you know. And we ended ended right where we needed to, which is bringing jobs and people and investment to the urban core. Right on. Right on. Well, thank, thank you. you. Th- thank you again, Councilman McCormick. Thank you uh, again, uh, Phyllis Seven-Harris, uh, for your time today. Yeah. And thank you to all of you who are, are listening to this, our second podcast of And Then There's Cleveland. And thank you, Lauren, my partner in crime, for putting up with me. Thank you so much to our fans. I know we have them out there. Um, and thank <laughs> you to Michael. You've been great. <laughs> and thank you, Carrie and Phyllis. It was awesome. My pleasure. I appreciate thank it. You. The Downtown Cleveland Alliance is a nonprofit organization that has been serving downtown Cleveland for the past 12 years, working to establish downtown as the most dynamic place to live, work, and play. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay current on what's happening downtown. For information on how to start, work, and grow in downtown Cleveland, just visit downtowncleveland.com. Then There's Cleveland is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to producer Sarah Wilgroup, audio engineer Eric Coltnow, and accounts manager Connor Standish. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? 
You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!